All right. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome, Faith Church. Hey, my name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor, and it's a privilege to have all of you in the house. want to welcome our Faith Church family up in Lawrenceburg. Come on, man. Let's give them some love. And everybody else watching online, it's a holiday weekend, so we have lots of Faith Church family traveling. Man, we wish you guys all of the best. Travel safe and enjoy time with family. Well, hey, listen, I heard a story about uh, a bar opening up in a local community, and a small church caught wind of it, were concerned about having a bar in their backyard, and so they began to pray that God would shut this bar down. And sure enough, within a few days um, of this bar opening, a storm came through the town, lightning struck, caught the bar on fire, and burned it to the ground. The... um, The bar owner heard about the church's prayers to shut it down and was convinced that it was their fault and so sued the church, (laughs) took them to court and uh, and sued them for the loss of his business. And before the judge, this this bar owner presents his case that this church was praying against him and it's their fault that his bar burnt to the ground. The pastor in protest said, man, there's no way you can't pin this on us. We're not responsible for this. And this judge, you know, looking at this case said, well, you know, before I render an opinion, I have to say that this is the first time that a bar owner was more convinced in the power of prayer than a pastor. (laughs) Right? I mean, so today we're going to talk for a few minutes about this idea of prayer, of prayer. And here's why. We are currently in a series entitled Convictions. Everybody say that word, Convictions. You probably cannot say it well because you've never heard the word until maybe last week or if this, you weren't here last week, this week, because this word is a word that I just made up just for this series to try to capture the heart of what we want to talk about for last week into the next several weeks. Convictions, if you can't hear it, is really marrying two words together. The first word is this word conviction. Conviction is this thought where we have this passionate belief system where there's truth that we hold dear, things that we believe, whether it's about family or finances or life, faith, whatever it is, we all, all of us in this room, we have convictions. We have political convictions. We have faith convictions. However, the other word in this word convictions is not just conviction, but convenience. The idea of convenience is when we live the easy life, when we take the easy route, when we go the the path of least resistance. And the idea is this, is that for a lot of us, we often compromise our convictions for convenience, convictions. I'll give you, you know, an example. Last week, I opened up with this series, so I would encourage you to go back, spend more time laying it out. But another example would be the idea of texting and driving. I'm sure if you ask a lot of us in this room, if you were to ask people in Lawrenceburg, hey, is, do you think it's okay to text and drive? I'm sure resoundingly people would say, no, you shouldn't do it. No, it's not safe. I mean, there's been all kinds of research that actually you are more likely to have an accident texting and driving than drinking and driving, which doesn't okay the former. But it's this idea that, man, I think, again, most people would say they have a conviction against texting and driving. Like, I shouldn't do it. I don't like it when I see other drivers do it. But let's be honest, you're driving down the road and your phone dings. It's inconvenient to pull over and check it. So we slip a peek. And slip a response. Why? It's this idea of convictions, this, this conflict between our convictions and the convenience of life. There's no place that convictions shows up more than in our relationship with God. This idea that we have convictions about our faith, about our spirituality, about, about our walk with God, about things we should do. 
things we shouldn't do, ways we should carry ourselves. However, let's be honest, a lot of times we walk the path of convenience. There's things we know we should do or shouldn't do. However, we don't always do them. Come on, is anybody with me in the place? So it's, uh, I just want to say this out of the gate. I said it last week, but I'm not here to tell you how to live. This is for all of us. I can tell you myself that at times I still live with convictions, that, that I have strong convictions about my walk with God, about my character, my relationship with the Lord. And I'll just be honest, I don't always walk that out. I often uh, sometimes take the path of convenience as well. And so the goal is for all of us as we maneuver through this series is to identify some places where we have convictions and maybe buy into them more and to walk in them more and kind of stop taking the easy road, but kind of really own the convictions we say we have. And again, one of these is this idea of prayer. In fact, think about it. One of my, I don't watch it often, but I definitely watch some, some clips on, on YouTube or Facebook. I love Family Feud, especially Steve Harvey. Come on, man, that dude is funny. Now imagine if you were on Family Feud and you get up and you go standing face-to-face against your opponent and Steve Harvey asks you this question immediately, what would your answer be? If he said this, 100 people interviewed, top six answers on the board, name something a Christian is known for. Immediately what comes to mind, probably all of us I think would quickly say things like loving people, should be, serving people, generosity. Probably, certainly in the list, probably pretty high up are things like going to church, reading the Bible. Certainly on that list, everyone would agree, is prayer. I think if I ask this room, hey, what do you think about Christians in prayer? Like, we would all say, yes, yes, Christians should pray, yes, because prayer is in every book of the Bible, every, all 66 books of the Bible, prayer is an incredibly common theme. You find it everywhere you look, people praying all the time in different situations and different circumstances for different needs and like we find it so easily all across this room and all across Lawrenceburg campus we would say yes you should pray but let's be honest a lot of us even though we have convictions that we should pray we don't pray now I know come on I say don't I know some of you are like come on pastor you're being a little harsh because some of us we do pray right we pray some of the prayers like this we pray the traveling mercies prayer you don't know what it is. That's, that's when you're getting ready to go on a trip, and so mom or dad will sit in the car with the kids, and they'll pray, Lord, put an, a- Lord, put an angel on the, on the fenders of our car. Let your angels ride on my bumper. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I sound like I'm making light. I'm not. Honestly, we, we pray those prayers. We're taking a trip. We pray that. Lord, be with us. Keep us safe on the road. But isn't it funny how we don't pray that prayer going to Walmart? We don't pray that going to nat. Is there a radius you should pray that? Three hours and more you pray the prayer? Three hours and less? I don't need you guys. Just a short trip. Wait here. I'll be back soon. We pray traveling mercy prayers. We pray meal prayers. Right? If you're ever going to pray, that's the time to do it. I hate the person. Like, they've never prayed, and now they've got to impress everybody by how long the prayer is, and my food's getting cold. Like, thank you, Jesus. Like, my grandfather used to pray, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, a God. I'm not making light of that. My wife and I, our family, we're together. We pray, God, thank you for the food. Lord, you are faithful. You're good. But honestly, man, the food prayer, it kind of came around when food wasn't really probably prepared. We have the Food and Drug Administration today. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be thankful, but like probably a lot of your food's not pulled. I'm not saying don't pray that way, but some of us, that's our prayer life, is we pray we're getting ready to eat a meal. Notice how, do you pray before the appetizer or the salad? 
Isn't it weird? Some of you don't pray till the main meal comes. You're not thankful for the salad? I mean, think about the ridiculousness of it. Nobody goes to the snack cabinet. It's not a meal. Grabs a bag of chips like, Lord, thank you for my late potato chips. Why? Here's the most ridiculous prayer of all. And I've prayed it. Lord, help me. I prayed it early on. When you don't really know how to pray, a lot of us, our prayer life comes down to that morbid prayer we pray before we go to sleep. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul. Lord, if I tap out in the middle of the night, help a brother out. (laughs) Come on, let's be honest. So, So as Christians, we're like, yes, we should pray. Most of us, if we're honest, come on, most of us, our our prayer lives are very anemic, very sporadic. At best, we're praying the traveling mercies, praying the midnight prayers, or or kind of the emergency, Lord, get ready to take a test, help help me out, get ready to walk into a job interview. And I just think our prayer life should possibly be more than that. So here's the question, why don't we pray? If we have convictions that we should pray, why don't we pray? I think maybe one of the reasons we don't pray is it's found in the word convictions. It's just, it's just not convenient. If we're honest, a lot of our lives are so busy. As soon as we wake up, the alarm goes off. We hit the floor, and we're running in the entire day. And just out of convenience, we feel like our life is already too busy, and we just don't make time to pray. Sometimes it's, it is conviction. And when I say conviction... We have convictions that we should pray, but some of our convictions about prayer are keeping us from praying. For example, sometimes we don't really believe that prayer changes anything. Because if we really believed that there was the God of the universe that heard our prayers and could answer on our behalf, come on, we would be praying a lot more, God, show up in my life. But sometimes our convictions are the other way. Like, it's too small. Like, I don't want to bother God. We're just convinced that God is just too busy running the universe to be waylaid by my small, petty needs. And so sometimes our convictions about prayer are wrong in keeping us from praying. I personally am convinced as a, as a pastor, probably the number one reason that people don't pray, Christ followers, people of faith don't pray, is um, just out of confusion. People don't know how to pray. It's It's funny you come into church, and some of you, this is your story. No matter what your on-ramp is to church, maybe you came as a little child and you've been in this thing ever since, and for some of you who came in your teenage years or later in life, it's funny, but like it's almost like you should just know how to pray. It's just expected. Like I know you've never done it before, but go. And so we have this confusion. We just don't know how to do it. And we've learned, but let's be honest, man, like we've taken our cues. Sometimes we've learned to pray by hearing prolific profound preachers pray and they pray these big flowery words with big eloquent like sayings and I can't sound like that I can't sound like my Sunday school teacher I mean like that lady sounds like she actually lives with Jesus I can't sound like that so I'm out it's confusion right I mean sometimes I I got saved again as a about 17 years old, so I just started going to church, started going to youth group, and so maybe your introductory, like, way into prayer was those odd Christian prayer circles. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, we're going to do them here at the end of service, (laughs) where you get in an awkward circle, and everybody holds hands, so your hands are sweating, and like, you're praying, Lord, let this be over. That's your prayer, Lord, let this stop. And like, you don't want to pray, and there's the international Christian signal for I don't want to pray. Come on, we all know what it is, the hand squeeze. I'm out. Next. 
And so like prayer, like you get thrown into the spiritual journey knowing you should pray. You don't know how to pray. Sometimes it's because you don't speak enough King James English because everybody knows Jesus speaks King James English. All you got to do is throw a TH to the end of it, right? Oh, thou is heavenlyeth, fathereth, aboveeth, helpeth thoueth, meeth, noweth. And like you don't know how to pray like that. But come on, listen, listen, listen. Here's a great, you just got to hear this. This is, so, this is so good. Did you know Jesus, his disciples didn't know how to pray? Let me just let you off the hook. If you're here and you're confused and you've not, maybe you wanted to pray, thought you should pray, but just your unfamiliarity or you're just uncomfortable. In fact, the Lord's Prayer that we're going to look at today for a few minutes, it came out of a question from Jesus' disciples who said this, hey, Jesus, Teach me, teach me to pray. I don't know how to pray. And I don't think it's they didn't know how to pray because these were religious Jews who grew up in the synagogue from the time they were little children going to church, learning the Torah, learning the Old Testament, learning prayers in the Old Testament. They knew how to pray, but here's what they found out. Hanging out with Jesus, what they were doing and what he was doing was radically different. And so what they were saying was, I don't want to keep doing these Lord, put an angel on my fender prayers. Lord, bless my hamburger prayers. God, I want to, Jesus, teach me to do what you're doing because what you're doing is changing the world. And I, I want to be changed. So, Lord, teach us to do what you're doing. How many people here need, need just to, to learn a little bit more about prayer? Come on, help me. I'll help you if you help me. So he steps in and he introduces us to this topic of prayer that all of us need. My heart is today that you will hear this and you will actually begin to pray. This week. Here's what he says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Notice a couple things out of the gate that Jesus gives us on the topic of prayer. He says, and when you pray, not if, when, it's an assumption you will do it. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. I want you to notice the very first thing Jesus says is there's a way not to pray. Specifically, he says this, don't take your cues from religious people, take your cues from kids. Which is radically different because a lot of us, if we want to pray, we want to look to like religious, flowery people that looks like they have their life all put together. Jesus said, hey, don't look at those religious people, look at kids because at the end of the day, this is a relationship where you're not just going to the God of the universe, you're going to your father and it's a relationship. So don't get lost in all those other things. Keep it simple like a little kid keeps it simple. And he goes on, he says this, watch. Next verse, he says, um, he says, but you, when you pray, watch this, go into your room, and when you shut the door, pray to your father who's in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret rewards you openly. I want you to notice a couple more things he gives us. First of all, he's saying location matters. Now, that's crazy. That's, that's contrary to what a lot of us have been taught or heard about prayer. Yes, you can pray anywhere, anytime. But I want you to notice what Jesus says. Jesus is saying, if you want to have an effective prayer life, if you want to have a really genuine connection with your creator, it's okay to pray in the shower. It's okay, it's okay to pray sitting in the car. It's okay to pray. Come on, I don't know about you guys, but come on, I'll be honest. I've had some worship music in my car, and I'm worshiping the Lord. Oh, my Lord, Jesus. 
like I've been there in the car, like I've had some prayer time. You can pray anywhere, anytime, but Jesus is saying sometime location matters. For example, my wife and I, oftentimes we have conversations when she's in front of the mirror doing her hair and I'm getting a shower. Now, you can have a conversation like that, but how many people know in this room that if all of our communication was through a shower door, we probably don't have a really healthy relationship. Sometimes we got to shut the door and just have some one-on-one time. This is what Jesus is saying. You can pray anywhere, anytime, but sometimes you need to get alone for a few minutes where you're not distracted by traffic, where you're not distracted by other things, and just get get alone for a few minutes. Shut the door. And then he says this, and you're going to be rewarded. I won't get into this too much, but I think there's lots of rewards to prayer. I think we are changed personally through prayer. I think we understand more about who who God is through prayer. I think our faith increases through prayer. I think God changes things in our lives and in our situations through prayer. Come on. A lot of us are missing the benefits of prayer because we're not doing it. He goes on. Keep going. Watch this. He says, and when you pray, I love it. Watch. Watch. Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Again, think about this. A lot of times we feel like we have to, you have to pray so long, don't you, for it to really count. I mean, it's got to be a good eight or nine minutes. You know what Jesus is saying? When you run out of words, stop talking. You don't need to go on and on and on. I got you. That's not the opposite of persistence. We'll talk about that some other time. But again, as we feel this thing like we got to be flowery. He's saying it's not, it's not the length of your prayer. It's not how eloquent your prayer is. It's, it's more about the condition of your heart than the content of your words. How is your heart towards God? Don't feel like you have to go on and on. Such a big deal. Such a different way to think than most of us think about prayer. And this is probably my favorite part. Verse, verse 80 says this. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows, watch this, your father knows the things you have need of before you even ask him. Now, James, Jesus' older brother, he says, or Jesus' younger brother, he says this, he makes it very clear you have not because you ask not. We need to come to God and we need to ask him. However, I love this because I think what Jesus is saying is, I mean, think about this. What kind of father would know his son or daughter has needs and not already intervene? Right? We don't wait, to our, wait for our kids to come ask us for help. As soon as we know our children need help, we jump in to help. And Jesus, Jesus makes it very clear that our heavenly father is much better than earthly fathers. So I believe that God is already working in our situation and circumstances before we ask, which means it's not always about, prayer is not always about changing the situation as much as it is sometimes changing us. Listen, if God never changes another circumstance you're in but changes you in the circumstance, you are better off. If God doesn't change the situation you're in but gives you strength to go through it, you're better off. If God doesn't change the spouse you are fed up with and ready to divorce but gives you more grace for the spouse you're married to, you're better off. Come on, does anybody hear what I'm telling you? God can sometimes change everything by changing you before he changes the situation. Your father already knows and he's already working. So just some good things to know on the front end. But I want to give you six things from the Lord's Prayer. Because I think really the main thing Jesus, again, in response to the disciples' question, hey, teach us to pray. We don't, like, we're not doing what you do. Jesus gives us some components that should be in our prayer life. Jesus is not teaching you to pray the Lord's Prayer. The purpose of the Lord's Prayer is not for you to wake up in the morning and be like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's not the point. There's nothing wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer, but the point of the Lord's Prayer is to show us the components or the things that should be in our prayer life. And so I'm going to give you six of them real quick. And, and the challenge is, again, is I'm trying to show you what should be in our prayers so you can start putting some of these, sometimes all of these, in your prayer. You're going to get closer to God. God's going to transform you, and God's going to change some situations in this room and in Lawrenceburg. Come on, does anybody here believe that? So here's, here's the Lord's Prayer. Everybody, come on, I want you to read this with me. Lawrenceburg, read this with me. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Six things real quick. I want you to write these down. Number one component I believe that Jesus is teaching us, number one is presumption. Presumption. He says this, we open with... Our Father, who's in heaven. Jesus introduces this revolutionary idea that God is not just transcendent. He's not just some being out there somewhere. He's not just up there. But God is, is close. And he's, he's, in fact, he's, he's our heavenly Father. We're in a relation. This isn't religion. This is a relationship. And so when I'm saying we need to have this presumption, what I'm saying is that God wants to hear from you. He wants to connect with us. There's no need so, too small. There's no situation too minute. God is just excited you want to spend time with him. He's not mad at you. He's not stiff-arming you. He's not like, well, let's get down to the bad attitude first before we get down to this other stuff. He's glad you're showing up. And you need to know when you get there that you are welcome in his presence. Presumption. You need to presume he wants to hear from you, and you need to presume you're welcome to be there with him. Right now, I can drive to Akron, Ohio. I still have a key on my keychain to my parents' house. If you show up there, you will have to wait on the porch before you come in. I can go up anytime, morning, noon, or night, and I can, I can go right in. Do you know why? Because it's my father's house, and I'm welcome there anytime. The same thing is true. If you are a child of God, he is your heavenly father, and you are welcome to come on in to God's presence. Come on. So it starts with presumption. It starts just with this, like, God wants to hear from you. He's not mad at me. Number two, if you're taking notes, second thing that Jesus teaches us that should be a part or component of our prayer is adoration. Adoration is this idea to adore God, to worship God. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hollow or hallowed, depending on how you raise, holy is your name. What he's saying is like, we should take a few minutes before we get into our list, because let's be honest, a lot of times if we do pray, our prayer life sounds like this. Lord, help me, help me, bless me, change this, fix me, bless my family, fix my money. Me, me, my, my, me, my, my, me. And Jesus, what Jesus is teaching us is before you get too focused on you, make sure your focus is on him. So just spend a few minutes, man, and you can do this. If all you do in your prayer, maybe for a part, one, one, one part of the day, when you wake up, if you don't do anything else, but you just spend a few minutes just adoring God. God, I thank you for who you are. God, there's no, no high like the most high. There's no God like you. God, you are gracious and merciful and mighty. God, you've been good to me. God, I honor your name. I bless you, Jesus. I honor you, Holy Spirit. If you take 60 seconds and honor God, it will change you. And here's why. Because 
Praise has the way to change the perspective of your problem. Sometimes our problems seem so big because we don't realize how big our God is. But we put God on a pedestal and recognize how big he is. All of a sudden, our problem gets really, really small because even though we can't do it, Jesus can do anything. Praise him and put him in the right position. David, he said this, David said that we enter into his courts with thanksgiving and into his gates with praise. In the Old Testament, he said, man, before we get into God's presence, the first thing that we do is we show up and we praise. Just be a person who just love, love God. Everybody likes compliments, even God. Everybody likes to be lifted up and encouraged, even God. Now, he don't need, he don't need your worship. He's got angels around the throne that declare his worship 24-7-365. But if you're going to come into his presence, if I'm going to come into his presence, let's come in with an attitude of praise. So it's about this presumption that I'm welcome. And when I get there, I come in with praise. I come in with an attitude to change my perspective by putting him in position. Number three, number three, if you're taking notes, submission. Oh, this is a fun one right here. Submission, he says this. He says, again, when you pray, pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be. Everybody say your. your. No, notice that's totally different than mine. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What he's saying is that as, as we wrestle through life, and we all know this, that we are selfish, and we want things our way, and our ways rarely the best way, especially between us and God. And he's saying, man, hey, listen, there's times you need to come and your prayer time needs to be about whatever situation you're going through. You need to tap out and say, God, not my will, but your will. Jesus had to pray this. Do you know before Jesus went to the cross and paid such a tremendous price for our sin, dying on a cross at the hands of Roman soldiers who drove spikes through his wrists and his ankles. Like that wasn't anything he was really signing up for. He knew he came on a rescue mission. He knew that was ultimately where it was going to end up. But you know, just before he was arrested and just before he went to the cross, he prayed this prayer. Hey, Father, like the plan for me to go, I, like I want to do what you want me to do and I want to save humanity that you sent me to save. But like I'm not really down with the whole cross thing. Is there, can you, is there another way? Like, I'll do what you want me to do, but if there's another way to save me, I'd rather go plan B, but not my will, your will. What he's saying was, I don't want to go through the uncomfortable path of fulfilling your plan, but if it's what's needed, then Lord, not my will, but your will. God, I don't want to stay married to this miserable person another minute, but not my will, your will. God, I don't want to be generous. I want to spend it all on me, but not my will, your will. Here's the question is, what's God's plan for your attitude? Oh, come on, somebody. What's God's plan for the relationship you're in? Not my will, but your will. So sometimes, sometimes part of our prayer life is just recognizing areas in our life that we already know. I'm not walking right. I'm not living right. I'm not believing right. I'm not talking. Lord, I want to submit. I want to tap out. I want to tap out to me living life my way. Lord, I want to do life your way. Come on, anybody here wants to do life God's way? That needs part of our prayer life. Now, here's the thing is, I believe with all of my heart that when you pray that God will change your heart and help you to fall in love with his plan. Now, now, some of you, this, you don't get this at all. I still get this. 
I can't believe I'm a preacher on a platform of a church. I can't believe I'm in church some days. <laughs> Is anybody here like you didn't grow up in church? You can't believe you're in church. And here, you're not just here. You're liking it. Like, where did that come from? It's because, man, God's changing your heart. God's changing your values. God's changing what you, what you appreciate. God's changing what you like. So prayer helps you start falling in love with God's will. You will never appreciate his will until you surrender and submit yours to his. Peter said it this way, 1 Peter 5, 5. He said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When you just come and just, God, I don't even know how this is going to work out. I just submit my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I tap out my life to you. God says, when you, when you decide, like, I'm, I'm going for it, God, you know, you're fighting against God. Good luck with that. But when you recognize through prayer, God, again, not my will, but yours. Like God says, that's the person I'm going to give grace to. That's the person I'm going to strengthen for the battle. That's a person I'm going to give. That's a person I'm going to give. I'm going to give peace in the middle of fear. God gives grace to the humble. Next thing that he prays for, I want you to notice the first three things, the first three components that Jesus teaches us starts with God. Presumption, adoration, and submission. The next three things, so God comes first. The next three things I want you to notice are specifically about us. The next thing that he wants you to pray for, hear this, he wants you to pray this way. He wants us to pray, number four, for provision. Anybody here in this room need anything? You need anything at all, wave at me, need anything. Need a tooth fix, need a job, need a raise, need a relationship healed, need a neighbor to move away. Come on, anybody, wave at me. Come on, pray. Lord, let him go in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'm just telling you, listen, God cares. Listen, you don't have to be in the emergency room before you can pray and cry out to God. You can be at home with a cold, and you can pray. You can be in the beginning of a situation, and you can pray. God wants you to pray. Jesus said, right, give us this day our daily bread. Pray. Man, what, what's on your heart? What's, what do you need? God's saying, I, listen, doctors are great. Politicians do their jobs. Accountants have their roles. Plumbers, and like every, like I'm so, insurance agents and like nurses and teachers, like we all play our role. The problem is we are more dependent on other people to fix our problems than being dependent on the one who can fix our problems. Turn to him if you're going to turn to anybody and turn to him first before you turn to anybody else. Let's take our needs to Jesus. Pray daily for your daily needs. I want you to notice something that Paul says. It's kind of cool, spinning off of what Jesus said. Uh, let me say this. So pray daily for daily bread. They had in mind way back 3,500 years ago when Moses was bringing the children of Israel, he rescued them out of Egypt, was taking them in the promised land. While they were in that time, you know, every day they woke up and God had made Manna, Krispy Kreme donuts. That's the only, like they woke up and there was a dozen in front of their tent. Like every day. I would weigh 900 pounds. I couldn't get in the promised land. They'd have to carry me. My 900 pound life. Thanks God for the donuts. 
But notice what he's saying. Like, they were used to God. That's how God provided for his kids. And God said, you need to keep, like, I'm not delivering manna outside your tent anymore, but I'm still the same God. You still have the same needs, and I'm still faithful. So you need to trust me that I will, I can, if you will ask, meet your daily needs daily. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, don't worry about anything. You're right, God. How do you overcome worry? You battle worry with faith, and you express faith through prayer. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. The first, when worry hits your heart, prayer should come out of your mouth. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray for everything. Watch this. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. So don't make such a long list that you forget he's already done a lot for you. I know this, this is the New Living Translation. Um, a lot of scriptures I have memorized, old school I've memorized in the King James. And it says it this way, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. The word request, make your requests known to God. Here in this translation, he says, just tell God what you need. Those words, it's really cool. Really cool word. The word is the picture of a person going into the Roman market with their shopping list that they knew exactly what they needed to get at market. Come on, y'all know how it works out when you go to Walmart or wherever you shop and you don't have, like, I need to go get some stuff and you don't make a list and you walk out with six boxes of Little Debbie's and you forgot the milk, come on. But when you make a list like, I need bread, I need milk, I need, and you write it all down, you walk in and you get exactly what you need. This is that word. What God is saying is make a list. What do you need in your life? God is saying, I care and be specific. Don't just tell me if you're here and you're single and you're believing God for a man or you're a dude and you're believing God for a woman, don't just say, God, give me one. What kind of woman do you want? I want, a, I want a man who's sold out to the Lord. God, give me a godly man. Come on. Give me a man that's got some money. And if I can only have one or the other, I'll lead him to you later. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll lead him to you on the beaches. <laughs> But listen, man, be, just be specific. Be specific. What do you need? See, it's funny how, again, we don't pray because we don't know how. I'm, I'm giving you just some things, just some components that should be in your prayer life. Everybody has needs. What do you need? If it weighs on your heart at all, it weighs on the heart of your heavenly Father. And he wants to hear from you. He's waiting to hear from you. Here's the big one. Next component he gives us is confession. He says, when you pray, pray, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. God, forgive me my sins against you and help me to forgive their sins against me. Now, I don't know about you. Come on, listen. If you're not praying every day, it's because I, maybe you're perfect Hind people have already blown it. It's 11.04. Hind people's already blown it today. Come on, wave at me. Lied, cussed, cheated, stole, gossip against somebody coming in the door. Come on, some women, you, you're like, look what she's got on. Come on, you liar, <laughs> slanderer. Come on, you need Jesus. We all do. Come on. There, there are sins of commission, doing what we shouldn't do. And there are sins of omission, not doing what we know we should do. And every day, we have a battle between our ears, and we struggle with the, the, the issues in our heart, and we live things out that we know we shouldn't do. 
And I'm telling you, we are sinning against God. And God, God, listen, he wants you to come and he wants you to bring it to him. Don't allow your sin to keep you out of God's presence because you have sin. Come into his presence and do something with it. God, I don't want this between me and you, so I confess it to you. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, come on, this is some good news. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us. Come on, say this word, from all, everybody say all, all unrighteousness. But then he says this, the same way I forgave you, now I expect you to go forgive others. He's saying that, that our relationship this way ought to influence relationships this way. So you can't go with the big mess of your life and say, God, forgive me. And then, man, I'm not forgiving you. Because if you understand the grace you've been given, it makes it easy to give other people grace. Some of you in this room, you are struggling with bitterness and unforgiveness in your life. And it's directly related to your lack of prayer. Because the more consistent we are to recognize our shortcomings and to recognize the grace that comes from our Father, the easier it is that other people have shortcomings too, and we need to give them grace. Man, I, I was so... I was so proud of my son, man. Somebody, I can't even share any details. Man, someone really, a close friend of his, man, just really took advantage of him. I mean, did something so offensive. And, uh, and I knew about it before he did, and then he found out we were talking about it. And, like, I wanted him to, I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't good. Like, I, you know, don't be friends with him. Beat him up. I don't know. Just, I mean, it was crazy how I felt. And he's like, Dad. I'm just not even going to worry about it. And I was so proud of him. And I just believe with all my heart that, that the, the ability to give grace from others comes from God's willingness to give us grace. And it should just flow right through us. Come on, everybody, just flow right through us. And so we need to pray. for We need to confess our sins. Part, if you don't have anything else to pray about, it, we got room for that every day. Come on. Last one real quick, running out of time. This is a big one. is Protection. Protection. Listen, hear this, everybody in this room, I believe these two things with all of my heart, that God has a plan and a will for your life to prosper you and bless you. Anybody here believe that? The devil also has a plan and a will for your life to destroy you. The same way God has a plan to bless you, the enemy has a strategy to destroy you. He knows your weak spot, and he's trying to put you in positions. He's trying to leverage situations to put you in a place that will compromise your faith, that will harden your heart towards God, that will get you to turn your back on the faith, to get you to fall away. And he's working at it every day. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says that we're not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. He's got devices for you. Ephesians 6 says this, Ephesians 6, 4 says that we need to be aware of the strategies of the enemy. Do you know he's got a strategy for you? Just like a coach that sets up a defensive playbook against the team he's getting ready to play, he's got a playbook for you. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you need to be aware as you go into the world today, the enemy has a plan to take you out. He's got a pretty young thing in your office wearing a miniskirt, and he's going to attract your eyes even though you're married. He's got an opportunity for you to fudge a bottom line, for you to lie on a document in order for you to get a couple bucks in your pocket. He's got all kinds of situations. He's got a button for you to push on your computer that will lead you to a website that will compromise your integrity as a, as a man. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? And there's temptations, and every one of us face them every day. But Jesus said, when you show up into my presence and say, God, don't lead me in temptation, but deliver me from evil, God said, I will give you wisdom to see the trap enemy set for you, and I will give you the strength to walk away from it. And that only comes through prayer. Come on, somebody. 
So Paul, or David, he said this real quick. This is a great prayer to pray. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. That's a trap. It's a bird trap. God's saying, I'll deliver you from the trap the enemy set from you. And from the perilous pestilence, he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Every voice here. Come on, Lawrenceburg, read this together. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. I pray this all the time. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Everybody I know is getting the flu. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. I pray for a regular basis, things I pray for our church. One of the things I pray, you might think is, Lord, I pray protect us from a lawsuit. Bigger our church gets, people just look for opportunities. Lord, protect us from lawsuits. I pray for the pastor. You need to pray for me as your lead pastor. I pray for the pastor's house. Lord, protect them. Guard them. Plant them as enemies to, to, to invade their marriage, to rob them of their families, families compromise their marriage. Lord, I pray, God, give them wisdom to see what the enemy's about to do. Lord, give them strength to walk away. You need to pray that for you. You need to pray it for your spouse. You need to pray it for your kids. Pray for protection. The simple way to say it, and this is how I've been teaching my kids to pray, the condensed version of the six components I just showed you is an axe, A-C-T-S, A-C-T-S. Since our children were little kids, don't forget to pray before you go to bed. Axe, Zach Axe, Kayla Axe, Lauren Axe, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. God, I love you. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm so thankful. Supplication is just the general needs list. Pray for mommy, pray for daddy, pray for my puppy. Amen. God is waiting to hear from you. You don't have to do it right. You just need to do it. And you'll be shocked how God can change your heart, strengthen your relationship with him. How God, some of you have never seen God answer prayer. I'm telling you, when God answers a prayer, it'll bullet like, what? And it just, it makes you want to pray more. Let me take some more stuff to God. God, take care of this situation. God, give me strength. Give me wisdom. God is so good but you tap in and access the goodness of God through the faithfulness of prayer. I think one of the biggest challenges, again, is praying long. How do you pray long? Best thing I can tell you right here is if you can't pray long, pray often. If you can't pray long, don't go long without prayer. Don't feel like you've got to do a half-hour marathon in the morning or an hour like you hear all these old men and women of God, like people over the, the history and generation, they prayed three hours a day. We feel like, I can't do three hours a day. I'm not going to do anything. Do three minutes a day. Jump in somewhere. If you can't do all six components, do two components. Do one. Just spend time every day, just 60 seconds worshiping God. Spend five minutes confessing your sin. God, show me my sin. There's stuff in our life that sometimes we don't see. God, show me my sin. You'd be shocked. But Christians in this room, we believe in prayer. Lots of us aren't praying. Let's break the power of convictions in our life. 
and let's walk in conviction. Don't let your long list of excuses keep you from something that we are commanded to do and benefit by being committed to do. How many people in this room who say, Pastor Steve, I, I want to do a better job. I want to be better at prayer. Come on. Two challenges. Two challenges. Number one, number one, we pray as a church one Saturday a month. First Saturday of every month, we pray for one hour. I want to invite you to come. We start with about five minutes of worship. I do about a five-minute devotional, and we just pray. Pray for our church. We pray for our community. I want to invite you this Saturday. Second one is I want to challenge you to pray every day for one week. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't don't set aside a time, you won't do it. Don't find time, make time. Every day at 7 o'clock, five minutes. Every day at 10 o'clock before I go to bed, five minutes. How many people would say, I can do it, seven days? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for the privilege to come to you in prayer, to bring our burdens, our problems, our situations, to worship you, to connect with you, to be changed by you. I pray, Lord, let us be a people that quit talking about prayer and start praying. I pray, Father, help us to break out of the cycle of convenience and to walk in the true conviction of our call to prayer and our commitment to prayer. Lord, I pray that people all over this room and all over in Lawrenceburg would be transformed in those moments. So, Father, I thank you for the privilege of prayer. Help us to walk it out in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. God bless you guys, man. Have a great weekend.